All right, so welcome back to Doc's House Calls. This week is gonna be a little bit different. Uh, once again, we've got a uh, world famous blogger, Joshua Blatt from the UK on with us instead of a micro brand owner. And um, Josh, I wanted to get you on, actually, I, I wanted to get you on for a while because yeah. um, I like having bloggers on every so often to get sort of a different perspective on the business, yeah. you know, micro cool. brands and all of that. Um, but also uh, in particular, in your situation, you're hosting or you're organizing, uh, I'll let you tell me which, a, uh, an upcoming yep. watch event, which by the time this airs will be this coming weekend. So uh, this yep. coming Saturday. So why don't, we, why don't we start off with that and then we'll backtrack oh. into your life as a blogger. Tell us about this yeah. event on Saturday. Okay. Cool. So uh, yeah, this coming Saturday is um, basically what you guys have done alongside uh, Lauren from the Time Bum. Um, I wanted to sort of like do a similar thing in England because we have a few events, not too many, but they're mainly in either London or up north around Manchester or even further north in Scotland. However, I'm in the Midlands and there's not really any events around there. So first of all, I wanted to sort of do an event in my locality uh, because there's loads of watch fans around here. You know, there's big cities around here and no one's got anything nearby to, to do anything or enjoy anything with fellow watch enthusiasts. But also there's loads of pretty awesome English or British brands that don't really have any opportunity to show off their watches uh, because there's quite a few online only brands as you'd expect but um, they don't really get the chance to to have a table get the watches out there's a couple of events out there uh, which do it really well in in Britain however I thought there was a, there was enough room for another one uh, especially for like more micro brands um, so yeah I just I was chatting to Lauren about it and what you guys do in, in DC. Um, and he was like, yeah, man, just do it. It's, it's really good. And right, uh, so thank you. <laughs> my, my other, my external screen is over here. It's why I keep looking this way. So I'm looking at you on the map. You're in Warwickshire, which looks like yep. it's about two hours north uh, west, I guess, of London. But it looks like it's pretty close to Birmingham. So is Birmingham yeah. kind of like the closest big city? Yeah, Birmingham is probably the third biggest city behind sort of like Manchester and London. Um, there's a couple of other cities like Leicester, Coventry as well, which are slightly smaller, but we're all like condensed around in the middle. Okay. Um, so London is, is to the outskirts from rugby. It's only really about an hour's drive. Um, and it's about an hour on train as well. So um, obviously, if any fans from down there do want to come up, then it's not a massive journey, really. Well, let's cover the, um, the basics. So the event is at the Holiday Inn Hotel Rugby in Warwickshire. This coming yep. Saturday, the 9th, at, yep. it starts at look, 1 p.m., 1300, yep. and goes to 1800. Is that 6 o'clock? Yep. It's been a while since yep. I was in the military. All right. <laughs> nice <laughs> nice good event. Um, and you got some great brands. These are brands that yep. you don't always see at these other uh, events. Like, they probably didn't make yep. it to Watch Time London. So uh, tell me about the brands. Are they all based in, in the U.K.? Or are they some from yep. the continent? Yeah, exactly. For this first one, because it's... It's the inaugural Watch It Watch Fair. I'm, I don't know what to expect, to be completely honest. So I don't know how many people will turn up. Um, you know, it, there's a little bit of nervousness around it uh, because I don't know how successful it will be. So I wanted to keep it reasonably small <laughs> and then uh, go from there for the next time. Because if it is successful, then I definitely want to keep on going. Um, so yeah, there's some really, really awesome brands. I did go to Watch Time, which was really good. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. So 
um, that sort of like gave me another little bit of a push to just make sure I just get on and do it because it was so good. And everyone I spoke to there really enjoyed it as well, both from the watch brand's perspective, but also people who were visitors. Um, so Christopher Warder, a pretty big one, um, pretty, uh, pretty chuffed with, uh, with that um, signing, if you will. And then there's some uh, other pretty awesome UK brands. So, um, so these are uh, all based in the UK? Yeah, these are all British brands. Okay, this yeah. is kind of cool. So I know some of these guys. So obviously I've heard of Christopher Ward. I don't know Christopher yeah. Ward, but yeah. I see you've got Hampton. That's Ross Davis. I know Andy yep. Seely from Malls. Um, exactly. I'm connected with Jared Stedman from William Walker on uh, Facebook. Yeah. I love what these guys from, uh, is it the Vap House? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Vap House? Vap House, I think. Yeah. yeah I love their they're first design and, their, and their, their recent uh, Bicompax Chrono was just yeah. gorgeous. But I haven't heard of some other brands. So I've never heard of Carrington Smith. That's an interesting one. I was just looking at Yeah, they're relatively new. They're new this year, actually. And I've seen, is it Alkin? Alkin, yeah. So he's, Alkin, uh, I've seen he's them around. Good. They've got kind of a great, sort of a dramatic, almost like de facto style. Yes, yeah, and he's good mates with uh, Ross from Hampton, so he, they sort of like came as a package deal. <laughs> but we'll get them free. Okay, and Gauge yeah. Instruments was interesting. I'm looking at their website. They've got some some kind of yeah, some pretty stuff cool going on. Yeah, interesting uh, stuff there. Uh, another watch manufacturer I'm pretty excited to see is Pinion as well. They've got some really yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, Pinion really does some nice work. They make some gorgeous designs. You know, a little bit more conservative for my taste, yeah. but yeah, sure. you know, obviously very well regarded and very good quality from what i've heard um yeah. isotope you got jose uh, jose miranda coming jose, yeah. yeah yeah so he's uh he's in london so he's he's coming up as well that's great um yeah so we've also got um art of horology i don't know if you've seen them on social media at all they do watch based posters i was just looking at them on the watch it yeah. watch fair website yeah tell me about so, zero west i i just started seeing this brand Somebody is posting them on Facebook, and it looks like they've got a really big product range already. Are they? Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, are they just like like just, we're going to make a lot of watches all of a sudden out of nowhere, <laughs> or is there a story I, there? I, I I'll be completely honest. I don't know the history behind it just yet. All I know is that uh, they are fully British, and we've had a nice chat, and they're they're well up and very excited to uh, to obviously be at the watch fair to show off their products. So. Uh, I'll certainly be uh, be speaking to them a little bit further and probably getting a watch in for review, hopefully. I know their, their prices are a little bit more on the ex uh, more expensive than the affordable kind of range of watches uh, that I tend to review, but still, they look nice. And Pinions aren't cheap. Isotope aren't oh. cheap, you know? Yeah. Christopher yeah. Ward's getting up there. They <laughs> are, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this but, is great. Uh, well, I hope everybody has a great time. I hope the brands yeah. feel like it's worth it. And uh, cool. you know, so give them all my best. Thank you. Yeah, I will. Absolutely. Um, right. So yeah, see how it goes. It just, you know, it, it's free to attend, I assume, for people that yeah. want to visit. It is, absolutely. There is a Facebook group that I've been trying to, <coughs> excuse me, uh, I've been trying to get anyone who's interested to join the Facebook group because then I can get a bit of a better idea on numbers because at the moment I'm all the brands are putting it out there, I'm putting it out there, um, and there's no real way of gauging how many people are likely to come, so. No, just you really won't. It, it's tough. I've done that with our, our um, so here in Philadelphia, the last like six years, I've organized our Philadelphia get-together, and we got guys coming in from D.C. and New York. New right. York's about two hours north, D.C. is about two hours south, 
Yeah. And there, we could literally have an event where we have 20 or 30 guys or 50 or 60. And there's just, I've tried to get guys to join our Facebook group and say, look, I don't, I'm not trying to get you to reserve a seat, but just yeah. tell me if you're going to know. Yeah. Cause I'm also trying to get brand owners to come and they ask like how many guys are going to be there. And I'm like, yeah, I, can't well, get I don't know. Yeah. Guys say they're going to be there and they don't show or guys just show up and like, who is this guy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So again, I'm in a very similar situation. Um, so I think the Facebook group itself has got about 110 people in the group. Uh, however, that's obviously going to be full of loads of people who are interested, but aren't actually going to come. Um, and then on top of that, there's going to be people who don't even use Facebook. So, well, I, and I saw, like, so I was looking at your, um, the watch it event page and I yeah. was looking at who said they were interested and I recognized the name of a guy who's local here in Philadelphia. I know this guy. Yeah, no, he's a, he's like a friend of a friend. And yeah. I'm looking and I'm like, I don't think he's going to make it. <laughs> he's not going. Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, I'm interested. No, you're not. <laughs> well, yeah, well, at least we'll be able to keep on track of, uh, of what, you know, how it goes then, I guess. <laughs> so, all right. So is there anything else you want to tell us about the fair or should we move on? No, I mean, if, uh, if anyone is in England who's watching this, then uh, yeah, come. <laughs> come all along. Right. Add the, uh, join the Facebook group. Click going on the event. That's, uh, that would be the ideal thing, really. All right. So just to wrap it up, this Saturday, yep. Holiday Inn Warwickshire, 1 p.m., be yep. there. Great chance to see all these brands in person and meet the brand owners. Yeah, exactly. And if, uh, if it's successful, then hopefully next year it'll be even better. I had yeah. loads of other um, amazing uh, watch manufacturers. I mean, there's loads of British brands that are out there, but some of them just respectfully declined. Like, look, we don't know how it's going to be, which is absolutely fine. Some of them were already booked up for this weekend as well, which obviously is gutting, but never mind. Um, so that's an interesting segue. So, you know, I read Longitude this past year. And it was, you know, I, I've always had this affinity for uh, people in the UK because th that's been like my second biggest market. Yeah. And um, I read Longitude. I was pleasantly surprised to read sort of the history of real, you know, modern horology going back to John Harrington. Yeah. John Harrington, right? No, John, John Harrison. Harrison, yeah. 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 So back in the 1700s, and I was like, wow, like this is kind of amazing. Everybody talks about Swiss watches and yet <laughs> the father of modern neurology is in the UK. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, so I just kind of got interested in how now it suddenly makes sense to me how many times I, I notice it seems like there's this push to bring horology back to the UK in a big way. Yeah, and there's yeah. so many great UK based brands. Yeah. Here comes the butt. Yeah. I've heard this again and again, and I've seen this firsthand where somebody's trying to do an event and you can't get these brand owners out of the office. Like yeah. you, you, your brand isn't carried in that many stores. I can't go on every street corner and see your watches in person. Yeah. This is one or two times a year yeah. when you have an opportunity to put your product in front of exactly. your core customer. Yeah. Why wouldn't you go? So yeah. is it, you know, the, the, the British tendency to be a bit more, re, you know, reserved and retired, or is it something else in your mind? I don't know. Um, I think it is that slight reservation from a British point of view. Maybe it's just as well because there's not many of these kind of events knocking around yet, so they don't really see the... See, I see that as all the more reason to go. There, it's yeah. not like if, if these were happening every week, I would say, no, I just did yeah, four. That's I, true. I can't do another. But this <laughs> yeah. is like twice a year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because watch time, uh, world time is very good 
is a very good one. Um, and they had about 30 brands, I think. Um, I don't know, they didn't actually publish how many visitors they got, but it was fairly busy when I was there. Um, I think I heard around four or 500. Oh, that's pretty neat. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, well, and, and to your point earlier about yeah. you know, this is your first event and obviously you want it to grow. I mean, yeah. we've seen that with district time where yeah. it's gotten bigger every year. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it takes time, but it also takes promotion, pre yeah. preparation. And mm -hmm. I think speaking as a brand owner, I would like it if I could see more brands just go, <laughs> yes, like I'm going to take a chance on the expense of traveling to be there and taking a day yeah. out of my life to be there, even if there's a chance it won't be huge because yeah. somebody's got to be the first mover. And if I always kind of feel like if I go, maybe some other brands will see me go and they go, oh, well, Chris is going. Yeah. It must be worthwhile. Yeah, and exactly. show up. yeah. I think I think one of the actual big pulls I had was um, Chris Ford were actually the first people to say yes. And they're a pretty big brand. That's a great <laughs> get for you because Christopher yeah. Ward is like an anchor brand. So that may, exactly. I, if I were in the UK and you said, oh, Christopher Ward's going to be there. I'm like, yeah, I'm there. Yeah, exactly. So I, uh, I went uh, sort of this time last year, actually, um, to Chris Ward HQ. And I did a video uh, interview with Chris himself. And I sort of like mentioned it then. I was like, hey, Chris, what do you think of this? You know, I'm sort of thinking of doing like a little uh, watch exhibition with brands hopefully you'd like to come and he was like yeah absolutely great idea we'd love to come so I was like awesome okay well let's uh let's roll with it then and see where we get uh with uh, with other brands and then I was sort of like shooting a few other emails Ross from Hampton was actually the uh one of the uh pioneers behind it all as well he was really pushing it he was like look it's a great idea um and he actually said you know it's good it's a good idea coming from sort of like a watch review site as well because you have those ties those affiliations with a load of different brands as well so um i after a few emails i got like six or seven brands just say yes straight away uh, which was a pretty good start and then i was like right yeah let's definitely go go for it so yeah it was it's pretty pretty exciting and only a few days away now so, so let's, let's change gears and talk about your blog i'm looking at okay. it right now it's right. fantastic um oh cool thanks i'm actually i can tell you've made some made some format changes yes uh, since a few years ago yeah um, I'm thinking of redesigning it again, actually, to be honest. So, really? Yeah. I, mean, I, love, I love the layout. I mean, it's, it's almost like, it, it's almost too much. I kind of understand if that's where you're going with it, where yeah. there's just so much to look at, but I think it's great. And, um, you know, I've always thought you produced great quality content, you know, your writing and your photography and your videos are all really good. And, you know, there's not that many guys in the UK that are doing it at your level. So, cool. So let's, let's kind of roll the clock back. How did you, yeah. how long have you been doing this? When did you get started? Why did you start? Sure. Yeah. So, um, what's it all about, uh, was launched in 2013. Um, so I was working as a, what well, still am a website developer. So I was obviously a watch nerd already flipping watches left, right and center. And I was like, you know, what? all these watches are sort of like going through my hands. I might as well just make a blog and just start taking pictures of them and, collating my thoughts on them and so that's how it started basically i just got a wordpress theme installed wordpress and started writing away obviously to begin with it was a bit rubbish and a bit uh, <laughs> uh the quality just wasn't there but as with everything you learn as you go uh, it's now what like do you mean the quality wasn't there the quality uh, of the content like, or the website yeah. itself no just the content really i mean the the website looked all right it did its job but the content uh 
the photography was okay, not as good as it is now. Uh, the videos uh, were all right. Again, I've made a like a, an effort with that recently as well. Uh, and the writing quality was just, I didn't have the practice. So again, it was a little bit basic. So throughout the six years, I've constantly tried to, to improve steadily. Um, and so it's like had a steady growth as well. I've, um, I've been asked by a couple of other blogs to like write for them. And I've been asked to, to have like guest reviewers as well. I tend to try and just keep it to myself just because I think from a reader's perspective, yes, uh, whilst I may not publish as often, uh, it gives you that level playing field. It's always my thoughts and my photography, my videos, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, so I, I like to think sort of like, you know, just being me, just, just my published uh, posts. I think that's, quite a nice little USP of mine. Um, yeah, it's an interesting point. I know other bloggers, you know, like Lauren, the time bomb, will yeah. sometimes have a guest blogger. And I've yeah. never, it's never occurred to me that if the other guy isn't as good or, or being as diligent, let's say, yeah. as Lauren, you know, to your point, it's maybe not a level playing field and it's not giving that brand or that watch the same opportunity. It could be seen, uh, yeah, it could be yeah. seen that way. I just wanted to avoid that basically. And also, uh, maybe I've been a bit picky, but I've never, anyone who has offered, I've never really, uh, I, I'm quite proud of like the, the quality of photos and videos and I'd want it to, to be that quality as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I, so I don't want to name names, but I've seen this firsthand where um, blogs, a, a lot of times guys are like you, one, one man show blogs, they get a bit you know, when you grow a little bit and people start saying, I'd like you to review my watch, yeah. all of a sudden you have a full dance card and yeah. your time becomes really compressed and stretched. And yeah. it's tempting, I think, to bring on a guest blogger. And I've seen guys do that. And I've dealt with the guest bloggers and I thought, yeah. this really? guy shouldn't be involved right. in a blog. He's not a good writer. He doesn't yeah. even seem like he knows about the product. Right. And he, the questions they ask sometimes are, you know, they betray a, a lack of knowledge. And yeah. I read your review and it's, it's not the a, long. Yeah, I mean, that's a shame, especially from a brand point of view. Like if you send your watch for, for a review and you like, you look through all the other reviews and you're like, yeah, I'm expecting, you know, nice quality content here. Uh, and then you get something that you're a bit disappointed in, then you, yeah, it's a bit of a shame really, isn't it? So, so I noticed that this is something I just saw on your website when under the reviews tab, yeah, you actually have reviews broken out several different ways by price. Yeah. Which is interesting. I think that's a good thing. I think people appreciate yeah. that. I certainly yeah, yeah. if I were coming to your blog to read it. Sure. Um, sure. And, you know, you've got, I think, some, something that a lot of blogs tend not to do, but I think is good to do. You've yeah. got something called My Favorites, which I think, yeah, okay. you know, the value of being a blogger for the audience is I want your opinion. You're supposed to know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I, I kind of want you to tell me what you think about this yeah. stuff and why instead of like, I can read the specs for myself on somebody's website. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's great. And um, sometimes like seeing it in pictures, a watch might look amazing in pictures, but actually when you handle it, it's like, mm, okay. Or the other way around, it might look fairly average in pictures, but actually the metal, it's like flipping it. This is mind blowing. So I suppose when, uh, when someone's handled three to 400 watches and, they can say, you know, these are the ones which particularly stood out. And I suppose that's it's quite a handy thing for readers. Yeah, I mean, I, that goes back to the value of these events for the brands. I was thinking about this today. I was thinking, you know, yeah. 
how many times have, have I seen somebody online saying this watch, the, the photos online don't do it justice. I mean, I hear that about mine, but I've seen that personally too, about other brands. You know, there's a brand out of Japan called uh, Minase, which, you know, they're not cheap watches. And, you know, Japanese brand, Swiss movements, I think, they're amazing in person. And I just yeah. don't think no matter how good the photography is, you can really get a sense for how yeah. good and how amazing those watches are. Um, but like you said, I mean, a lot of times watches look really great in photography because somebody paid a lot of money to make them look great. <laughs> yeah. And you get well, the watch, you're like, yeah, this is crap. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so um, I've actually reviewed a handful of your watches as well, Chris. I had uh, three Lewin Hueys um, and uh, two NTHs. My favorite being the Amphium dark guilt so is there any chance that's you still have it no i had to send it back <laughs> oh i thought you got it for yourself yeah no no unfortunately not um that's a funny question that's a funny question actually because um sort of like with i think we we're going to discuss it a little bit later but like life as a watch reviewer um the buying watches for yourself can be a little bit difficult um and um you don't tend to do it without having a sort of like an ulterior motive of you're buying a watch to review. So yeah. you don't tend to buy watches for yourself anymore, uh, which is a shame. Started what you said five years ago, six years ago. It was six yeah. Years ago. Yeah. Okay. So, and obviously, you know, you're not fantastic when you start, you get yeah. fantastic hopefully over time. Yeah. Have you noticed, um, have your, have your taste changed? Since you started, you, do you find like as a blogger, not just as a collector, but as a blogger, like I, I've seen this watch in another form so many times, I kind of don't want to review this again, even though it's a, it's a different brand, different model. <laughs> do you feel like that where it's like, it's another 300 meter, you know, Sapphire Crystal <laughs> Seiko diver and it's just not, it's just not interesting anymore? It's a good question. Um, I mean, I tend to, I, trend, I, I try to put out content which I know readers will enjoy and appreciate so if it is a particularly popular watch uh, I still think it's worth putting my thoughts together on it uh, if it's um, if it's a watch which doesn't interest me personally then I I won't bother you know I respectfully decline because I only really want to review watches that I sort of am interested in have a have passion you know passionate about as well because then that will come across in the quality of work I won't feel like it's a a right slug spending time and dedication uh, because you know I don't charge for reviews so it's not as if uh, oh it's all right I'm getting x amount of quid for doing this so I'll just do whatever you know it's my time at the end of the day and you know each review does take quite a lot of time so I only really review watches that will do excite me and do interest me um, from a taste point of view I still am like mainly into my divers with like bracelets uh, I did really like like properly chunky watches, but that sort of like disappeared a little bit. I suppose that's probably the same with quite a lot of people as they get into the the swing of things in terms of being a proper watch enthusiast. Um, they do prefer the slightly slender, more elegant timepieces rather than just big brash things. Whereas at the beginning, I was like, yeah, the bigger the better, awesome. Yeah, look at this massive lump of steel on my wrist, and now it's not quite not quite as um, not quite as harsh as that, if you will, uh, my taste. Um, I'm also getting to appreciate the, the finer things as well, like the smaller watches, 
uh, like dress watches, properly proper dress watches, like 36, 38 mil as well. Whereas beforehand, I wasn't really interested in that kind of thing. But now I'm really starting to appreciate that. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll definitely say as you as you handle so many watches and just as time progresses, your naturally your taste will change. Um, I expect the same from from your kind of point of view as well, isn't it? Does, do you do you from your designs from like when you first started out? I mean, how many years you've been going for? Notice your taste changing through your designs as well. Yeah, I mean, both in terms of what we design. Yeah, I mean, we've gotten, you know, sort of more narrow in what we find interesting and what we like. Um, as a business owner, it's a challenge to try to figure out when we need to make something that doesn't really appeal, maybe necessarily to me personally, but make it because we think it'll sell versus there may be something that I really like, but it's not worth making because it doesn't have enough of an appeal. You got to try to find the balance somewhere in the middle. Um, but also, and I, I don't like saying this cause I think it makes me sound snobby or arrogant, but I've also seen so many watches because I've been doing this, but I'm now in my seventh year making watches. Okay. So I've been to so many get togethers and so yeah. many fairs and I've been to so many ADs. Like I'll make, there are times when I'll make a trip to an AD or to a local jeweler just to see something in person to get a feel yeah. for what it's like you yeah know, look at an oris or a tutor or, or you know what have yeah. you and after a while it takes a lot to impress me and, and <laughs> there's like i'm often more impressed by something under a thousand dollars and how yeah. good it is yeah. for the money mm -hmm. much more often than i am impressed with something that is five or eight thousand dollars yeah. because it's like it simply cannot live up to that price yeah, in yeah. terms of you're not, I'm not going to be blown away by it for five yeah. or $8,000. Yeah. But <laughs> there are some, there are things that like, um, I just got to see the, uh, Dorenzo DRZ02 okay. yeah. at, at the, uh, the, the event here in DC a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's a very, I always loved the design, but in hand it's like, okay, now I can feel how good the quality is. Right. That's an amazing watch for what it yeah. costs. You know? Yeah. So um, to your point, yeah, but also um, in design, I mean, I've kind of embraced divers, obviously, especially with sort of a vintage feel. Um, yeah. When you look back at what we started out doing with, you know, Lou and Huey, it was, well, you know, we started out with a chronograph, which I don't even find yeah. interesting anymore. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> And then we kind of did, you know, the Spectre, bigger, you know, sort of barrel case pilot. Um, we gradually kind of started to get more refined, uh, yeah. focusing more on case design, in particular case thinness. And yeah. now I'm more interested in alternative materials and um, look, just little things that it's very difficult to find ways to differentiate when you don't have 100 years of heritage, you don't have billions of dollars in mm -hmm. R&D. You're not able to make your own movements in-house. You know, yeah. you're basically up against a lot of other brands that are making the same, using the same materials when they make their watches. So, yeah. you know, there's other guys using the same materials, same movements that I am. Yeah, you have to di differentiate on design and maybe customer support and marketing. But I'm always looking for like, what can we do technically? 
that is actually different that nobody's really doing or, or you know or hasn't done a lot of yet or how do we take that and make it better and it's mm -hmm. difficult it's a challenge yeah. hmm. um is anyway. the uh amphion dark guilt is that coming back at all that's not on your website at the moment is it no uh well it's the answer to your second question no it's not on my website yeah it's well here you know so here's an interesting dilemma when you make a lot of watches yeah and then they sell out do you continue to show them on your website or do you take them down mm -hmm. and i've been asked you know like to maintain this ongoing archive of imagery and specs yeah. and prices so yeah. that people i guess you know if they have yeah. one they can go back and refer to yeah. it but or it becomes unwieldy yeah. so um if we don't have something either in stock on my website or at one of our retailers i'll typically take it down especially if we're not planning on making it again anytime soon um yeah okay with the uh barracuda vintage black that we made this year with the yeah. guilt relief dial i've had friends and customers say i love it i love the guilt dial it's a fantastic piece i really hate snowflake hands so if you made that uh, as the amphion with yeah. that guilt relief dial which is different because the one you're talking about the, the the what do we call it the dark guilt amphion dark yeah. guilt or yeah Right, so that had a more traditional dial with applied markers. This would be something yeah. different. So I'm trying to think, yeah, okay, I want to make that, but it is like it, we, ha we already had an Amphion Vintage Black with the sandpaper texture dial. We already had an Amphion okay. Dark Guild. I've already got an Amphion Modern, okay. what do I call it? So, so we'll think about that for next year. So do you tend to not bother, not, not necessarily not bother, but once you've done a run of three or 500 units, say, do you, do you say, right, that's it, the next time i won't do exactly the same twice in twice in a row or do you has there been any ranges where you have reordered it exactly the same yeah they like um, the super sellers then that you keep no so th this is this is real deep in the weed stuff and i'll, I'll try <laughs> to simplify it and make it short but um to, to kind of take it at, from the macro the factories want us to make a minimum of 500 pieces you can yeah. sometimes talk them down to 300 but for a small brand especially one just launching or in pre-launch selling 300 watches is not easy yeah. especially if you try to set pricing where it needs to be to grow your business and be profitable yeah. so what ends up happening is some guys will underprice the product and it'll sell out or sell yeah. very quickly but they don't have profitability yeah. so Let's just take 300 as a starting number. Um, how many colorways do you make? Do you make two, three? Do you do date, no date? The challenge is if I make, let's just say one dial black with a yeah. date, without a date, I have to make 50 of each of those dials. So right. if you take a 300 piece production and you make three colorways with mm -hmm. or without a date, yeah. okay, there's your six versions. That's all you can make unless you wanna make more dials and just put the ones you can't use on a shelf and hopefully come back to them later and right. make more of that same watch. But then you have to figure out, all right, well, what if we make these three colors, date, no date, and one of them sells a lot and one of them doesn't? Well, if, the yeah. one that, if there's one that doesn't, I'm not going to want to make more of those. Why, mm -hmm. What's the point of having those dials on the shelf? So then you come back and you go, well, the model did well, but that color didn't. So let's make more of this model, but let's change it up with some new colors. Right. So I've been through multiple productions of this model, this case, but we changed the dial in some way. Um, right. And then there've also been those where we made 50 or 100 pieces and they sold out pretty quickly. 
and there yeah. was clearly enough demand to make more. So we've yeah. made 300 of the Barracuda Vintage Black just this year. That was been that's been our best selling model this year. Okay. Uh, the Mac and Modern Blue has been popular for the last like three years. So we've made yeah. a lot of those. I, I I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. But then there are other models where I'll make 50, and that's it. They didn't sell quickly enough, and I don't have people asking me to make more. Yeah. You know, not that often or not often enough. I won't make more. And it's not it's not about making it limited. It's just if I can't sell, what's the point of making them? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So it's a constant learning and evolving. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think this is something that a lot of microbrand owners that are in pre-launch or even early on in their business don't realize is that, yeah. you know, and it's, it's one of the challenges in the business. It's, it's an industry-wide challenge. The yeah. vendors all think that they need to meet these minimum order quantities and that it's easy for us to, to you know, like 300 to a vendor is a small number. 300 to, to a microbrand owner is a huge number. Yeah. When you, fit, when you factor in, okay, the, there's tens of thousands of dollars being invested in production. And this is something we cover in Microbrand University. Ask any accountant how quickly inventory should turn over in an inventory business. And they'll say 90 days, three months. So in other words, I shouldn't make anything if I can't sell all of them on average in 90 days. And I know from, from my own experience, I've had some, in, I've had inventory on some models for two years and so, I'm not unusual. I mean, I think yeah. this is not just small brands, it's big brands, Swatch yeah. Group. Swatch Group has two years of inventory on hand at any given time. And that's just yeah. assembled inventory. If you, if you look at parts ready for assembly, it's double that. So yeah. it's industry wide. We all have a major problem with overproduction, overpricing and trying to, trying to right size the, the, the supply versus demand is very difficult. Hmm. Well, thank you for, for answering that. So, I told right? you it was deep in the weeds when I started. <laughs> open the can of words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you really did open a can there. I, I, no, well, I, and that was a quick version, by the way. Yeah. I spent an hour doing that. Well, I suppose uh, I, see, I see your comments quite often on uh, sort of like the um, microbrands uh, Facebook group, which are of, a, are of a very similar ilk. Uh, yeah. many, many guys go in nice and cheap, sell out. And then they're like, great, but we didn't make any money. <laughs> so the yeah. next, next model is more expensive and everyone's lost interest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if people think, oh, well, you know, he, he just had this enormous Kickstarter project. He's got to be making some money. He makes it up on volume. And the challenge is that most of our costs in this business are variable costs, meaning, you know, it's like production costs are our biggest cost. So if you're not making enough money, gross margin profit on your sale over your production cost, you'll never make that up on volume. And then when you add in your fixed cost, your, you know, your overhead, just running your business, you, you could end up losing money. And it, you could put up a huge number on Kickstarter and yeah. still lose money. Yeah, yeah. You think you're making a profit until you sit down with your accountant at the end of the year and he goes, you know, you're, you're, you're not pricing high enough. Yeah. But at the same time, if you price too high, then you have no turnover. So, you know, what's, what good is it to have your price way up here if you don't sell anything? So it's yeah. about finding that right balance point. Yeah, I think that's what I've been impressed um, with your brands uh, most actually, because you have really like stuck to your pricing structure. You, do you ever have sales or if you do, it's very rare or if it, no, it's not necessarily sales. Sometimes you'll have like five, 10% sort of like offers or is it $25 off, $50 off? But not, it doesn't- Not recently. I mean, we, you know, I, I went through an evolution. So like, I think most micro brand owners, when I started out, it was, 
let's do a huge discount in pre-order or on Kickstarter. And, and I'm talking, this is 2013, 2014. I think the real boom on Kickstarter and crowdfunding projects started about 2014, 2015. So I was about a year ahead of that. So yeah. when I was, just to start off with some basic numbers, when I did the Ricardo, the retail price on that was $550. Our starting pre-order price was $450, so only $100 less. Yeah. And that's a little bit less than 20% discount from retail. Mm -hmm. Right now, the typical pre-order early, you know, the super early bird, it's like 50% yeah, off. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so the world has changed. You know, everybody's in this, you know, really heated competition, and most people don't have a huge marketing budget, and they're doing it part-time so they don't have a lot of time to promote and the, the way we see them trying to offset that that weakness is by underpricing and so you know it's a race to the bottom so I went through this period of time where everything was pre-orders and Kickstarter at a discount because I was asking customers to wait four to six months for delivery sometimes longer and you know there was a reason and I still think there's a reason if you're if you're asking someone to wait six months to get the watch yeah, there better be a discount involved. Yeah. But the problem is after that, once you get the watches in stock, now you're supposed to be charging full price. And if somebody bought the watch at full price and then you discount the next week, yeah. they're angry at you. It hurts your yeah. brand image. Yeah. It's very difficult to recover from that. And yeah. the, the, the customers are not dumb. They see the discount. So yeah. you know, I've seen this over and over again. And I hear it when I talk to other brand owners and store owners that if you have a watch that's $600 today, and then you do a Black Friday sale and it's $500, no one will ever spend $600 on that watch again. Yeah, They'll no, next expecting sales and wasting for them, yeah. You just set the price $100 lower. So yeah. we don't do that anymore. I stopped doing it like two years ago. And I had, I had to go through a period of time where it was a learning experience where I was making too many watches too quickly. I ramped up production. We had like five models we produced in the first two years, which was way too many. We were producing 500 at, you know, at a clip, 500 pieces per model. I didn't have enough variety in there. I was doing two colors or three colors when it should have been fives or six colors, right. eight, no date options. I, I should have been giving people more choices. I should have been making things so quickly. And I didn't understand the importance of turnover to your cash flow. And then I ended up with these huge inventory numbers and I had a discount. So we were doing yeah. Black Friday, St. Patrick's Day, Canadian <laughs> Independence Day, you know, Br British Mother's Day, American Mother's Day. I mean, any, any excuse to have a, have a sale. Yeah. But then yeah, all of a sudden it was like, we never sold a watch at full price anymore. So we just stopped yeah. doing it. And I go, that's the price. We're not discounting it ever. Did you have much kickback from those sales then from people who did pay full price? Every so often I would yeah. get somebody that goes, this is crazy. Like I just bought this watch from you a week ago or a month yeah. ago. And now you're having a sale. I want, I want a rebate. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sorry. I'm not doing it. And I, you know, sometimes, sometimes guys will get angry, but I'm not Amazon. You know, there's no, <laughs> I don't have, I don't have a best price guarantee. I mean, yeah, that doesn't yeah. exist. Price match so, or anything like that. Okay. But, uh, but we still do. Um, so I have a loyalty rewards program on my website, but like 90% of my sales right now are through my retailers. So, okay. you know, I'm pushing, more and more customers to the retailers. We're doing fewer and fewer sales to my own, my own website. We do have a loyalty rewards program. It ends up being like about 5% back. Um, and that's it. I mean, if you have a bigger order, we'll do free shipping, but most of my retailers do free shipping and they throw in little extras. So when somebody goes, well, 
I want to buy from you because I've got rewards points or I want to earn rewards points. And I go, all right, I'm going to charge you shipping. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to not put in these little extras. When you buy a watch from me, somebody in our, our warehouse puts the watch in a box and ships it to you. When you get a watch from one of my retailers, there's like a cookie, a chamois, you know, there's, there's some other little nice things in the box yeah. that I don't add. Cool. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Another can of worms you didn't feel like opening. <laughs> it was good. It's good to know the ins and outs of, uh, of guys behind the watch manufacturers. So you, you have, you're married. You got a little baby girl right now. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I've, I am married. I used to have a baby girl who's now a baby, well, a toddler who's four years old. Wow. And I have, uh, yeah. I've got a son now who's uh, nearly one. Oh, so, Mazel yeah. Tov. God bless. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and a dog. And a dog. And are you still doing website design? Yeah, so um, development. Uh, it's only in town, so it, it, I live on the outskirts of the town and, and the office is in the town centre, so it's like two miles journey. So I'm quite fortunate how close it is. I work for my brother-in-law as well, which is pretty handy. Um, so uh, yeah, I've been doing that for eight years now, I think. Uh, before that, I was electrician, so... Let's go back to something you were saying earlier about you only yeah. review watches that you're interested in. So, you know, one, one topic that I see coming up online a lot among watch enthusiasts is there's no such thing as a bad review. You never see a bad review. These guys are all inherently biased because they always say good things about the watch. Okay. And I've heard this from other bloggers. Like, you know, again, the time bomb has told me that if he knows he's not going to like a watch, he doesn't want to pan it. What's the point? He doesn't review it. Or if yeah. somebody kind of twists his arm or, you know, just sends him a watch and says, you know, say whatever you want about it. Okay. Yeah. And, so, you know, so how do you tell a brand owner that you don't want to review their watch? Do you just go not interested or do you actually give them feedback and on why and, and what you think they need to improve? No, I don't. I personally don't tend to, I mean, reflecting on it perhaps i should be more more helpful but i don't tend to give them too much feedback more of a, a respectful decline just say look i'm really sorry but i'm i'm really really busy and it's just not interesting to me enough for me to to spend the time on it really really sorry but i'm gonna have to decline so basically so, you lie uh no i am always really busy so that's true no i believe that but you're basically <laughs> saying that instead of telling them i don't like your watch yeah i suppose i i i tell them that it's not really interesting to me rather than i look man look man i hate your watch <laughs> i want to vomit when i look at it right, which, okay. maybe i should be more harsh maybe i should take a leaf out of your book <laughs> not not in being harsh but in being a, a lot more straight straight up so off the top of your head you know, what percentage do you think are watches that people offer you to review that you like and you do review versus ones that you don't like and you don't want to review? It's uh, a good question. Probably, probably one in four inquiries I get is actually a watch that I am reasonably interested in reviewing. There are so much rubbish that comes through the, the, the contact form. You see those like minimalist those same style watches over and over again yeah <laughs> um and i'm sure i'm not the only uh, watch blogger who uh, who has this issue but it's just like why do these brands think that they're offering something different you know and they they write these amazing press releases which make it sound like the most amazing watch in the world and you click the link and you're like ah, nah i'm all right thanks <laughs> 
if for those brands, I don't even bother getting back to them. I'll be brutally honest because they, it's just not worth it. Um, do you think? Do you think that they are sincere, but just not that intelligent, or do you think they're just very cynical and hoping that you'll you'll bite on whatever they they they? Yeah, have? I, I think most of the time, I don't know what they must be thinking because if they did any genuine research, they would see there's so many other watches in this style. They're obviously, they're probably all made in the same factory for all I, all, all I care with like a different logo. Do you get the um, sense that they're emailing you from a, an office in China or from someplace else in the third world or is it a lot nah, of people in Britain? I think they are, they are actual guys from like Australia, New Zealand, USA, Britain. Um, but they've just like, they, they've rustled up their own logo and their own website, put the logo on the on a pretty stock factory watch. And so it's kind of a slap together, get rich quick scheme. Exactly. They're in it for like a quick, quick buck. Um, but it's not like a, an actually exciting watch. And I don't know how they managed to actually sell them because maybe, maybe they don't. Yeah, maybe they don't. Yeah. So it's only really the, uh, the watches that really interest me that I'm interested in. Um, I also interesting to you lately. Have you seen anything recently that kind of, you know, really blew your doors off? Um, so I've, I've got at the moment, the new form X, that's pretty nice. So yeah, I'm, those are interesting. I really like form X. Is um, that the essence? Yes. Yeah. yeah that's a nice looking watch. Yeah. Have you seen it in the, did you see it at district time or? Uh, no. I don't, I think I saw it at district time, but I first saw it at the, um, so you went to watch time London. They did an event in New yes. York and I guess that was last, almost about a year ago. That's where I first saw it. And they were there. They were, they're good guys. Okay. I, yeah, met, really um, I met both of them and uh and john keel from watch gauge carries them in his store oh, so, okay you know, it's a really interesting watch a gorgeous yeah. watch a little bit big for for me yeah um, it, is, but, it is quite on the big side but it's quite yeah I mean, what is it 43 45 something like that uh, i don't know the spec off the top of my head yeah probably about 43 older yeah thought. i mean um, gorgeous watches they're just a little bit yeah. big for my taste but i yeah. like the um I, you know, I, I think it's a gimmick. It's a cool gimmick, but that whole suspension case where it bounces yeah. up and down. Like, it is, it is absolutely a gimmick because yeah. like, why do you need it? But it's, it's like a really cool thing still. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I it's, don't need this. It doesn't yeah. add anything for me, but it's a really cool thing. I kind of want it. It is impressive craftsmanship for the price to be. Oh yeah. 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 Well, and I think um, that's another example of people that are kind of overly spec obsessed they go well it's you know basic at a movement yeah freehander yeah. uh, why is it 800 or 900 dollars and i go did you not see the case the entire central cylinder has like a suspension system where it can move up and down inside yeah. of the frame that alone is something that you're not going to see on everybody else's wrist yeah that's why they charge more it's more expensive to produce now you may not want it or value it but that's why it costs more yeah and to with Formex watches, actually, the anti-reflective coating on their crystals is actually the best I've seen on an affordable watch. It is mind-blowing. Challenge accepted. Yeah, go on. Get on that. Because I, I always say this, like, an effective anti-reflective crystal, I don't know, it, it always somehow transforms a great watch into a flipping fantastic-looking watch. Because when you get just an insanely crystal-clear crystal, it can... It can really make the difference, to be honest. Tell me about the Formex crystal. Is it flat or, or domed? It's flat. And right, I think so it's um, just coated on the underside as well. All right. So that's part of it. So it's a little bit easier to get yeah, really good dome, transparency yeah. with a flat crystal. Because when you get a dome on it, you get that light bending yeah, yeah. and it adds reflection. Yeah. 
yeah. Um, so other watches that I've liked uh, very recently, the um, the latest Christopher Trident is a great watch. For the what moment. do you make of Christopher? Well, you can't you can't criticize them, but you know a lot of guys online talk about the constant logo changes and font yeah. changes, and and you know they're another brand that has a sale. It seems like every other week. Mm. You know, do you, do you get a sense for Christopher Ward as a brand in transition or are they, are they come out the other side of a transition already? I think, they, I think they have come out the other side of the transition now. Um, speaking to them, because I, I speak to them quite a lot, to be honest. Um, I've been going to like their, they do, they do their own sort of like little get togethers uh, with watch fans in, in the UK. And I went to one just before world time in August. Um, and this, the branding that you see on Chris Ford at the moment, despite so many people hating on it, that is, that's it now. Uh, but it is still, you know, it is an unusual thing, really, to go through a few, like, this would be their third logo now. And that's not something... I think it's at least their third logo. It might be yeah. their fourth. I lost maybe, track. Maybe their fourth, yeah. So that, yeah, that's been quite an unusual journey for them, I suppose. But I, as far as I'm aware, that's it now. Uh, and what you see now is going to be it for, for good. Um, so I, also, I mean, I wonder too, like the Trident is a model that's gone through several different looks over yeah. the, you know, the course of its evolution. And, mm -hmm. you know, for a long time that, you know, sort of spoon knife fork set, you know, handset was, you know, really, I think so characteristic of that design. Yeah. And they've kind of gotten away from that. Yeah. And, they, and they've kind of, I don't want to say generic is too pejorative, but the, the, the new Trident design is a little bit more traditional, I guess, conservative. And it's I think they've lost yeah. a little bit of that edginess. Do, mm -hmm. do, you, do you foresee them bringing some of that back or is it, no, this is, the new ver this is the new direction of the company? Yeah, I don't think we'll ever see the onion and sword hands um, again, which is a shame because like you say, it was very, very characteristic. Uh, and it, the Trident was like one of their very first watches, um, and it was awesome <laughs> as well. Yeah, I mean, I loved I, it. I loved the version with the orange bezel and the wave uh, texture dial. You know, yeah. that was like five years ago, yeah. and you know, they kind of they started to gradually migrate away from, you know, that sort of very distinctive design to a more traditional, conservative, yeah. almost. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know. It's it sort of. I guess endemic of the times, you know, that sort of ubiquitous sans serif font, yeah. you know, very crisp, you know, non-numerical indices, non, you know, very indistinct handset. I kind of feel like, all right, you know, I guess like, it's kind of like the, the diver version of the Bauhaus look, where if you've seen it once, you've seen it over and over again. And I think you're Christopher Ward, you are the, you know, sort of benchmark for affordable British brands. You know, it's basically you and Bremont or kind of you know, carrying the flag for all the yeah. UK, as far as like what the world understands, you know, then you get into like Hamptons and, you know, the, some of the yeah. other lesser known, yeah. you know, UK brands, but Christopher Ward and Bremont are like the two biggest, most well-known brands. Yeah. And they both are kind of going in that direction away from characteristic designs that are very identifiable as being a Bremont or a yeah. towards things that are more generic. I don't get it. I mean, it could be from, as you get bigger, you need to make business decisions that uh, mean no. you sell more, maybe. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, really, I really, really like the new Trident. It is like the only thing that is the same uh, as the, the model before 
is the the trident the deep stamp trident on the case back and the trident as the counterweight on the second hand they're the only things that are, that are the same however i still really really like it i think the actual actually the hour hand being quite a, a big sort of like chunky triangle that is quite unusual that i must admit i've not really seen a a fat triangle like that too often so i do like that i really like the glossy dial as well and the um uh, the bezel insert um ceramic bezel insert is nice and glossy as well so it does look does yeah look I mean, they, they know how to do a dressy diver i i can't take that away. i mean it's a good looking watch it's a it's a good design it's a good looking watch i'm not saying it's ugly in fact i would say a lot of people that really hated the old handset that was much more distinctive will probably yeah. love it yeah yeah but I think it's, okay, the, the old you know, <laughs> I feel like they've lost a bit of their swagger. I don't know if yeah. that's, you know, okay. I always kind of liked Christopher Ward had that sort of very distinctive style. Um, well that, that C65 Dartmouth series is really nice looking, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're new. They've just released a bunch of sort of like military inspired divers, which are pretty nice. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and the quality is outstanding. I can't fault them for that either. Yeah. Um, so... This is something that I've been wanting to ask you. Okay. Um, from your perspective as an enthusiast and as a blogger and as somebody that knows a lot of British brands and obviously being British yourself, yeah. what is it you think distinguishes the UK market from other parts of the world that you think brand owners would, would, need, would do well to understand? You know, if you're talking to a bunch of brand owners in Singapore or a bunch of brand owners in America, what is it we need to understand about the UK market that is a little bit different than other parts of the world? Because <laughs> I feel like it's something, but I haven't been able to put my finger on it. There's something about the British market. And again, it's yeah. always been a good market for me, but you know, there's a British thing that's like your tastes are slightly different. I yeah. think your, your expectations are a little bit different and the way you react to certain things is a little bit different. So what is it, what is it that makes the UK market different? And oh. I mean, I can't... <laughs> Not being, I don't know. I don't know. care for this question at all. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, we are a very conservative bunch um, for, the, for the most part. So I, uh, I, I literally cannot say. And well, I mean, is it that? Is it just your tastes are more conservative typically? Could be, could be, yeah. Um, we live, yeah, it, it could literally just be that. I mean, I I don't have much experience in sort of like marketing and uh, actually being the other side of the watch brand. So I don't know sort of like the sales. Like it's, it's quite interesting that you say like you, you do sell well in Britain, but there's there's something there that's slightly different. And I didn't actually realize that. So maybe we we are different without realizing it. <laughs> we just need to well, realize it. <laughs> let, me, let me put that in perspective. So generally, depending on you know, what year I'm looking at, seven, somewhere between two thirds and 80% of my business has been in America. Yeah. So the majority of my business is domestic here in my own country. But yeah. once you get outside of my country, the UK has always been, if I look at it strictly country by country, the UK has always been our next strongest market. Um, right. And I could chalk that up to, we share a common language. Um, yep. Maybe there's some cultural affinity there. Maybe I just, I'm, maybe mm -hmm. I'm doing something that the people in England like. Um, but if I look at the EU as a whole, yeah, excluding the UK, 
it's right there, you know, on par. Uh, and in yeah. fact, recently we've done probably as many sales, if not more sales in the EU as we have compared to um, EU sales have been coming on strong recently. Um, but, okay. you know, I, I talk to my, I talk to people online all the time and a lot of them are usually my customers or people that might be customers. So I talk to a lot of guys in England and, you know, we have a lot of things in, what was it something it was that Winston Churchill said, England and America are two company or two countries divided by a common language or, or united by I'm a different language. What, what is it you said? I'm not familiar with the saying. I don't know. I'm going to, now I have to Google it. Yeah, Google it. America and England separate American and England are separated by a common language. Okay. That's the, that. so, you know, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of things in common, but I always kind of notice like, all right, sometimes I don't know when an, an English person is, you know, kind of, uh, taking a piss so to speak yeah. um you know well, subtlety is not maybe not yeah. my sponsor we're quite a sarcastic bunch i suppose and that you really are a bunch of sarcastic people. bastards i gotta say that yeah it can be quite difficult to understand from people who aren't english i suppose well there's the accent and then sometimes <laughs> you know it's the, it's the printed word um so tell all right so let's get back let's get away from christopher ward and trashing oh. the, the, yeah. before i lose any business in the united kingdom yeah <laughs> So other than the uh, the Formex and what Christopher Ward is doing, anything else you really like lately that you see brands doing that you think deserves more respect or more attention? Um, another watch that I really, really, uh, I was really, really impressed with at World Time was the Boulder Expedition. Oh, yeah? Um, that really, really impressed me in the metal. And I've actually since arranged with Leon to get one for, for a review. So I'll be reviewing that, you know, in the near future. But handling that that was a really nice sort of like field explorer kind of watch um so that yeah that that was that was really nice to yeah i mean and i don't know how long they've been around it hasn't been quite as long um, as i have but they've kind of really exploded onto the scene they're, they're just they came out they hit it hard and they're they're coming yeah. out with new models all the time and i see yeah. them everywhere so I, I they must be doing well yeah there's been a couple of dan henry's that i've really liked as well got the 1964 i think which is sort of like a um uh, a tag Carrera, vintage Carrera kind of right. chronograph style. I see, that's I see, that's cheap and really nice for the price. I see you reviewed the uh, the A Big Holdra, my buddy Chip's new uh, diving watch. I love. Yes, it. yeah, I had that just uh, last uh, April, uh, August time, I think. Uh, yeah, because I gave it back to him at, at World Time, so I had it just for a week before World Time. I got a review. That's amazing, actually. I love. Uh, he's a he's a fantastic designer. Some of his little design features are great. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, I've said this for a long time. I think Chip is the best designer in the business. I think he's got perfect instincts. Um, yeah. Every decision he makes, I just think is perfect. And he's got a great eye for detail. Yeah. Um, and he's yeah. one of those guys that a lot of guys, I think, will over-design. They'll try to jam too much in. And some guys will kind of stop too soon. He's yeah. a guy that knows exactly when to stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell yeah, me about this brand. Is it Millennial? Is that how you say it? Oh, Millennial. Yeah, they're... Um uh from the far east so they uh they did the the quartz one that i reviewed there but they've just released an automatic version um it's a nice looking watch yeah it kind of has sort of that vapaus feel to it yeah um yeah, but i saw them on the forum well, right? i saw them on the forum asking for feedback and I, I think they get a lot of static about you know a lot i think a lot of people criticize their choice and brand name yeah because um when i first saw it i was like oh, is this mile meal i didn't realize that it was pronounced millennial and then millennial. I didn't realize me not say was me not say I thought it was my niece. I, yeah I, well I mean yeah I mean 
like we read them as we as we as we read them most of the time don't we um and then millennial you know the the person a person who is a millennial maybe that's got like an unusual connotation as well so maybe people are like look dude that's a bit of a lame name really i see what they where they try to what they try to do with it like it's millennial but spelt different with nice accents and stuff but right and <clears throat> if you're not familiar with the cultural term millennial yeah. and all the yeah. negative connotations that sometimes brings with it it's actually you know kind of a forward-thinking name you know it's millennial but yeah true i think too many people especially online they kind of view it as a i don't want to be associated with that generation yeah exactly um, yeah there are a lot of reviews from brands on your website that I don't know the brands are, are like, yeah. is it no, Nove, Nove, N-O-V-E? Yeah, Nove or Nove. Um, are they based yeah, in the UK or Europe? No, they're Swiss. Um, they're Swiss? Well, that's quite an unusual, very, very thin diver. Um, I can't remember how thin it was, like 6.8 mil or something like that. Oh, I did see these guys. It's a quartz movement, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very um, thin. So, a a distinctive looking watch it's not for everyone that's for sure right. however uh, i love the ratcheting system they've got like the exposed ratcheting system on the bezel that's pretty cool however it's most likely going to get lots a lot of grubbiness in there it's um, very cool but you probably will be completely disgusting after a yeah. year of wearing it yeah you'll get loads of skin cheese in there probably um, <laughs> i could have done without hearing that term sorry Thank you for that that's um, all right. <laughs> yeah no that's great thank you yeah that I, I quite like, I'm sure that I'll be, I'll be thinking skin cheese a lot today. <laughs> yeah. I do like um, reviewing brands that I've not heard of, but they're doing something different. Like Nove are quite a good example of that. Um, you know, and it's re relatively cheap as well. I think it was like under $350. So it was quite, imp like quite impressive watch for that. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting piece. I mean, especially, yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, if you look at like a Zarek and watches like that, that are on the lower end of the price scale. Yeah. And all right, if you're a real true watch geek, that's probably not your style. But if you can appreciate something that's kind of like weird for its own sake, yeah. there are a lot of interesting, you know, watches yeah. like that, that they're not that much money. If you just want something kind of like as a weird sort of conversation piece to wear yeah. once in a while and not yeah. spend a lot of money on it, that's not a bad choice. Yeah. What about um, Aries Gold Jolter? Yolter? Yeah, that was a that was a really interesting watch. I think very similar to uh, another sort of aviate kind of exposed skeletonized uh, chronograph. Uh, I've never heard of these guys. Are they based in Europe? UK? Uh, no, they're Far East. I think. Um, okay. I forget exactly which country. So I'd, I'd better it's better to not mention which country just in case I get it wrong. Was it decent um, quality for the money? Yeah, really nice. And again, they had the looking at it up close you know it was it was deceptively well manufactured like all those intricacies on the dial pretty good for the for the price so that's um, a great example of you know that's a watch that i know there are lots of guys on the forums and facebook that they, they might see a watch like this on like aliexpress or you know on mm -hmm. ebay and turn their nose up because they think well it's too cheap how good could it be yeah and you know i like the looks but i'll i'll you know i'll save up for a I don't know, a Zenith to five, maybe that's a little bit unrealistic, but you know, if it's a good watch, even if, I mean, like who cares if it's made in China and comes from China, yeah. if the price okay. is right and the quality is decent, it lasts long enough to feel like you got yeah. your money's worth, yeah. where's the harm? Yeah, yeah. Another watch which is really good is a, a Perpetual Watch from Hong Kong. Oh yeah, I know those guys. They 
he's actually like real serious watchmaker when he yeah. does like the chronographs he'll take the whole pe the whole yeah. movement apart i mean because they're seagull movements they, you know they have you know a higher defect rate he won't sell one if he hasn't taken it apart and rebuilt it yeah he makes beautiful so, regulators yeah those are yeah, nice yeah. watches and so he has like a waiting list is he even making them anymore oh man um for the popular watches uh like he does them in like batches of 30 or 50 because they make them all in their hong kong workshop and right. um yeah, they sell out straight away. Um, thankfully, yeah, I perpetual. You have one, the SC03. Yes. The watch. I mean, again, really? not my style, but no. it, you know, and to be honest, yeah, to be honest, it's not necessarily my style either. However, for the price, I think it's $180. Enamel dial, heat treated, blued hands, obviously a very well regulated movement in, as well. And just the general build qualities. And think about how many people on the forums and on Facebook are too snobby. To buy it because it's you know made by a guy in China and they don't know that that watch for the money if it came, or for the quality if it came from Switzerland uh, that's two thousand dollar watch yeah absolutely yeah and, and it, he charges what less than two hundred dollars yeah it's crazy so more often than it is a it is a label that is like an interesting change that I've noticed in recent years actually that um, the quality coming out of uh, it's probably mainly thanks to sort of like micro brands like yourself and, and other other brands that you you don't the, the Swiss made label is sort of like losing its weight almost because you can get such epic quality watches made in China but to the same if not a better standard than the many of the more affordable Swiss made watches so you know it's, it doesn't necessarily mean you're getting a a better watch if it has a Swiss made label on. No, I, again, I could write, I could write you a book here, but I, I try to get people to understand, look, when you make a product, forget about where it's made, you have to define the quality standard up front and then figure out what is it going to cost you to get there. So apples to apples, I can get a watch every bit as nice as what you can get made in Switzerland or made in Germany. I can get that watch made in China, but the yeah. cost is going to be so much lower because not just because they have lower labor rates, but they don't have the same government regulation, you know, in terms of like workplace safety, environmental mm -hmm. concerns. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not taking a position on whether or not that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's the way it is. Yeah. Um, and you know, they, you know, a lot of it is the labor cost, but it's also just, you know, layers of bureaucracy upon bureaucracy. So um, yeah, I mean, you can get that quality no matter where you want it to be. It's just a matter of what are you willing to pay for it? And at, yeah. a, at a certain dollar point, you're actually going to get more for your money buying something that, you know, most of the parts are made in Asia. Who cares where it was assembled? And again, I mean, people think it's all sweatshop labor, but I've been there. I mean, our assembly room is a clean room. It's spotless and, yeah. and they're skilled labor. I mean, there's actually a shortage of these guys because they just can't keep them. There's just so much work available for them right. that they're con and they're, they're constantly sort of scalping each other's employees over there right. you know we we had a delay recently because we lost somebody on our assembly team it's only six people you lose one person yeah. you know you're at something like 80 percent capacity all of a sudden yeah. and, and, and it causes a big problem yeah um huh. interesting yeah so so yeah things on your website that i wouldn't ordinarily see or take a look at um cool Anyway, what's so what's coming down the pike? Anything cool that we should know about that you've got in for review? Um, oh, shall I have a quick look at what my list is looking like at the moment? So obviously this Formex is coming up. 
Um, I'm actually just about to review the Seiko cocktail time because I thought, sorry, the Presage. Yeah, yeah. Um, not the brand, brand new one, but just the regular like Presage cocktail time. Just because I've been a long time fan of it for a while and I'm like, right, finally, you know, I'm going to get one of these. I'm going to buy one of these and see what it's like. Beautiful dial, crap strap. So replace the strap straight away. Do you have an opinion on like where Seiko seems to be right now? Because they're discontinuing the SKX, which has been iconic. They're bringing out yeah. an upgraded Seiko 5. Their prices on their like sort of mid-range models mm -hmm. are going up. I mean, a lot of people are just going like, that's it, I'm done with Seiko. Do, do you have an opinion on, on what they're doing? It is a shame that the SKX line is going. Uh, I mean, the replacement uh, that, that has come through, the new Seiko 5, looks nice. There's some down, there's, well, there's some pros and cons to it, to be honest. Um, in the UK, I think there are up in at about 250 quid, which is pretty steep. Um, so, I don't... I'm not surprised that they're they're sort of like going this direction because it's been a while. I mean, you know, those those are sort of SKX models have been out for flipping years and years and years. So maybe it was just time that they moved on. Uh, so I'm not surprised that eventually we've seen the end of them. And it's a good thing that they've replaced them rather than just canning them full stop. So that's a right. good thing. Um, but what so, do you think? Well, well, you'd be still able to get a Starb. I mean, Starbs were like 600, then they were 400. Now you can't get one anywhere because they're replacing yeah. it with new, whatever, I guess the pre-sage line. And they're more money. And it doesn't seem like there's more watch there. It's the same basic movement, specs, components. Yeah. They just renamed the model range and charge more. Well, that's it. I think it's another thing as well is that the, say for instance, the Seiko, uh, the cocktail time and also the Sumo, they were primarily for Japanese only markets, weren't they? And the Presage line is sort of re-releasing it in a global market. So I guess... They're thinking right now. That this, now that this is available to like the U.S. market, the European market, let's just up the price. <laughs> so I'm it's a bit off track of the story, but um, I also lost track of how much time has gone by. It seems like six months, maybe a year ago, there was a news story I caught about Seiko hired. I think he was a guy from Omega to basically run the American market for Seiko. And they were going to start making a big push into more retailers, like more of an AD model, not, you know, not like TJ Maxx or Kohl's, but more, you know, sort of Main Street, watch AD, jewelers, get the brand out there more. Um, maybe I, I don't think it was all about Grand Seiko, but I wonder where that strategy is. If this is what we're seeing now as part of that global strategy to make Seiko more of a mainstream brand and, and a good realistic alternative to an entry level like Swiss watch. Yeah. Yeah. It could be then. Yeah. Won't be surprised. All right. So this has been great. I appreciate you taking the time. Hopefully uh, people enjoy hearing from a blogger. Um, cool. Hopefully guys in the UK will show up at your event this cool. coming yeah, Saturday at one o'clock. One more yeah. time. So it's the holiday Inn in Warwickshire. Yeah, rugby in Warwickshire. So um, just on the M1, M6 as well. So uh, right slap bang in the middle of Britain, man. Like right in the middle. Get it from get to it from everywhere. Fantastic. Um, my absolute pleasure. It's been good to actually finally speak to you face to face as well because we've been messaging so much over the past years. Obviously, we've been watch reviews as well. So we dealt with each other a good few years ago with that. So it's nice to actually see your face and, and chat to you face to face. So cool. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Cheers.